Welcome to episode 22 of the Running on Ohm podcast. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I'm excited to have Ryan DeBell, CrossFit athlete, chiropractic doctor, director of Pacific Sports in the Spine, and founder of the Movement Fix on the podcast. Ryan was a lifelong athlete and found CrossFit during college. After studying business and undergraduate, Ryan went on to complete his master's degree in sports and exercise science and received a doctorate of chiropractic. He was inspired to open his own sports medicine clinic in Washington State called Pacific Sports and Spine that works primarily with CrossFit athletes. Ryan developed the Movement Fix to share his ideas and courses that he teaches on CrossFit and functional exercise. In this episode, we discuss Ryan's athletic background and how he was first introduced to CrossFit. Ryan shares his thoughts on CrossFit from the difference between training and competing to what injuries are most common among CrossFit athletes. Ryan discusses the paleo diet and his relationship with it. Lastly, Ryan reveals what's ahead for 2014 and his advice for those interested in trying CrossFit someday. I hope you enjoy the show. Oh, Welcome to the Running on Ohm podcast. What kind of activity did you do today? Oh, I haven't done anything yet. (laughs) I'm going to the gym after this, actually. Awesome. And what will you do at the gym? Uh, I'm probably going to play basketball. Pick up. Pick up basketball. Cool. So I I saw in your bio that athletics were a huge part in your childhood. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about what sports you were involved in and then how you, that evolved into CrossFit being your central athletic outlet. Got it. So, yeah, my main, my main sports when I was growing up was uh, soccer, basketball, cross country, and track. And uh, the interesting thing about that was – so I, I ran cross country and did track at the same time or in like the same uh, year. But in track, I was a high jumper and a sprinter which my coaches thought was very weird because most people that are high jumpers don't run distance. And uh, at the same time, you know, I was playing soccer play on like three basketball teams. <clears throat> so that was junior high. And then in high school, um, I mainly just played basketball on track. But I had like really, really, really bad um, tendonitis in my knee or tendinosis, whatever you want to call it. And so I couldn't play for a couple of years because it was so bad. And you know, even at the age of, I guess that would be 15, I thought about the long-term effects of, hey, do I really want to play through this stuff at 15 and potentially have problems, you know, when I'm older? And so I stopped for a few years, and then I just did, like, the standard bodybuilding-type workouts for <laughs> from probably 15 to the age of 20. Then I just got bored of it. Um, just go to, the, go to the gym, do the same, you know, five-ish workouts a week, like chest day and arms and all that stuff. <clears throat> and I felt like I was just like I was muscular, but I was out of shape. If that makes sense, because I would play like at that point my knees didn't hurt anymore, so I would go play pickup basketball and just be out of breath. So I, I you know, I looked big muscularly, but I was so out of breath playing. I was like, I gotta find, I gotta find something that's more balanced. And I kind of played around with some different circuit training stuff, and then I knew this one trainer, and he was, you know, he told me check out this crazy site, CrossFit.com. And that was in that was in 2007, and 
my friend and I, we decided let's just do it. Let's just do it as it's written on the CrossFit.com main website thing for a month and just, and just do it every day, exactly what it says. And we were just, I mean, we were hooked after, after a couple weeks of doing that. So, um, at that point I was, I was at college at the university of Washington and we were just, you know, go to class, go do CrossFit stuff. We followed the main CrossFit site for <clears throat> two years before I ever even stepped foot into a real CrossFit gym, which was a totally different experience <laughs> going to an actual CrossFit gym versus doing CrossFit at the university of Washington gym. And, uh, at that point, well, and so in college, I was I went to business school, so I got a I got a business degree, and I had I had some internships and, and stuff like that, and while I was in business school, and I just didn't want to sit at a desk all day. It the internships, I mean, it was it was fine, but it was just uh, not not for me to sit around typing on a computer all day. So I decided to go. Uh, well, I was deciding between physical therapy school and chiropractic school, and through a series of events, I decided to go to chiropractic school. So I was doing CrossFit for two and a half years before I went to, before I even started chiropractic school. So uh, I was, you know, I, I was a CrossFitter before I was even in that, you know, in, a, in the healthcare field, which is which is pretty cool. And uh, we see a lot of the opposite of that, where people go to CrossFit because it's popular, um, versus like having been in it for a long time. And, and that's really influenced me in some of the, the articles I write. Like there are things that I don't, you know, about CrossFit I don't think are perfect, but I don't see it as like CrossFit's stupid because they do this. I see it as, hey, if there's any way that I can contribute to make it better or safer for people as it's growing or getting different populations coming into it, like, man, that's awesome. So that's why you'll never see an attack like, oh, CrossFit, don't do it. Uh, it's because I started, you know, I did CrossFit before I was in, in healthcare. So my background's a little, a little different in that sense. Yeah. Totally. And so when you did step foot into that gym, what was that first experience like? It was, it was intimidating because when you're, when you're doing it on your own, it's, it's just different. You don't have, like I would take 45 minutes to warm up just to get ready because you don't want to go and do the CrossFit wad because you're nervous and you, you, know, you know it's going to hurt and stuff. But when you're in a class at a gym, <laughs> you don't have the luxury of deciding when to go. It's like you start, you do the warm up, and then you have to go with everybody, and you kind of have to be ready to go when they say. Otherwise, you're awkwardly standing around, and everybody's waiting for you. So the group aspect of that is is huge, and that that's one of the reasons I think CrossFit is so popular is because you work out with other people in in a competitive way. Whereas, like, say, you know, I've done hot yoga a couple times, right? Like, it's still a class atmosphere, right? But there's no, there's no competition, really, right? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'm the worst one in there, but... Um, <laughs> whereas you go to the, the CrossFit gym and everything is measured. So if you're doing a workout with a class, there might be a few people that are, you know, getting faster times than you, and that pushes you. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why we're seeing that rise, People want that competitive outlet. You know, being in sports in high school and, and stuff like that. You know, I didn't play college. I didn't play college sports, but when you're done with high school, for most people, you don't have the competitive outlet, and that's what drives people to CrossFit, right? The competitive, competitive part. 
Do you think that competition can lead to more injury because people go too far? Yeah, and I think that one of the things that I've talked about multiple times is the difference between, and, and people are talking about this more and more across it too, what's the difference between training and what's the difference between competing? Because if every day that you go to a CrossFit gym, you're competing that day, then you're never really training. And I think that we're going to see more and more a distinction between going to the gym and doing training versus going to the gym and just competing. So I think, yeah, you know, CrossFit's heavily criticized because people see a lot of injuries, right? And there's been some research to come out to say that, hey, the injury rates are no higher than, say, Olympic lifting or other sports. Um, but I think, I think that people get hung up on the fact that, like, they think, hey, you shouldn't get hurt. Like, your, your workouts, your training shouldn't injure you. And because there is a blurred line across it between is it training or is it competition, you know, maybe we do see a little higher injury rate. But it's not because your training hurt you. It's because maybe the competition aspect pushy the limits that you wouldn't normally go to. So I think that's sort of like a double-edged sword because on one hand, that's what makes CrossFit so addictive because people want to push. On the other hand, that push may be the thing that leads people to get injured more so than if they didn't push. So I don't know if you can really get rid of it because then you take away the fire. Very much so. Something you do talk about on your website with this dichotomy between training and competing is that and when you're competing, you're able to do something oftentimes that you weren't able to do in training. You almost reach a new threshold. You take a chance. Mm-hmm. You're really courageous. And your own experience, because you have been a competitive CrossFit athlete at the CrossFit Games, has there been any one moment or one event where you really had a major breakthrough that you weren't expecting based on your training? Well, just as a record's clear, I've never competed in the CrossFit Games. I don't want people to think that I have. I competed at yeah, I competed at regionals in, in 2010 on a team. Sorry. Uh, no, I just don't want listeners to think that uh, if they check my record, I think I'm lying. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I competed at regionals in, in 2010, and then the Open in uh, 2011, 2012, and then this year as well. I think that, well, I had a sprained wrist in 2010, and uh, I had that going into regionals. So... That was interesting because we had to do these like team clean and jerks with a barbell, and uh, you'll push through injuries during competition because during a competition the goal is to win, right? Like you see football players going to the football game. Like if it's the say it was the uh, the Super Bowl, like they're going to do things to win that they wouldn't do in practice, right? And we see that all the time in sports. So I think that knowing the distinction of, of when is when is it worth doing that. Like if I was if I was at the CrossFit Games and I was gonna you know I had the chance to win however much it is two hundred seventy five grand, I'd probably do some things and push myself to places that I wouldn't in in uh, everyday training. Like say there is like one of the things that uh, has been kind of talked about more and more now is doing high rep box jumps like a plyometric thing, and there's been some Achilles tendon ruptures and things like that and. I've always said, hey, hey if you're going to do that in training, you know, maybe you should step up the box or, or not do as many reps. But in competition, you got, I mean, you got to do it because you're trying to win. And uh, so, I do think there is a uh, a difference there between what do you do in training, what do you do in competition, and uh, how far can you really push yourself? 
And it is, it is interesting it, to see how hard you push in training and then you go to a competition like the regionals and uh, it's just totally different. Totally different. And the, the adrenaline and, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's fun. And it, the critics of CrossFit who say, like, oh, should you really be pushing that hard? It's like, try it out, you know, before you, before you criticize, you know, oh, it's dangerous. It's like people, it gets people doing stuff they wouldn't normally do mm. yeah. in your business pacific sports and spine what kind of athletes do you see gosh 90 percent of my practice is, is crossfit athletes 90 percent, and that's their primary sport but that's how that's what my uh my practice is geared towards athletes right and my main like target, I guess you could say target client is is a is a CrossFit athlete. That's that's just the segment of the market that I uh, that I that I, is most interesting to me. So, I get I get some football players and and, and some basketball players, but it, it is mainly the CrossFit athlete. Yeah. Take me through a recent case study of an athlete you've worked with and a problem you've had, and how your philosophy, the movement fix, has been able to help them. Hmm. Uh, I'll just, is it, how about I give you the most common thing that I see? Sure. So the most, the most common thing that I treat for CrossFitters in my clinic is low back pain. It, definitely low back pain. And that, it's usually in the, uh, the mid 20 to mid 30 year old male is the most common um, demographic for this. And I find that the problem is, you know, we don't come into people don't come into CrossFit always being a perfect mover, right? <laughs> they, people come with baggage into CrossFit, like hey, they're you know they have tight shoulders, they have tight hips, they have tight calves, whatever, tight ankles, and they come to a workout program that really asks you to be able to have good full range of motion, and when people don't have that it can lead to these problems that sort of like appear out of nowhere. Like, Hey, my back started hurting and I don't really know why. Well, the thing with CrossFit is there's so many reps. It's such high volume of certain movements. So say for example, someone's squatting or they're, or they're deadlifting and they have a little hinge in their low back. So every time they squat, every time they deadlift, their low back hinges. Now that's not a, adjustment, a chiropractic adjustment deficiency problem. It's, it's, it's a problem with how they're using their body with how they're using it. So an adjustment might help them, you know, relieve their pain. But if, if we don't fix that pattern of movement that they're using a lot in CrossFit, it'll just keep coming back. And the most common problem is it's either a technique problem. It's either they don't know how to control themselves in the movement or they don't have the proper pattern or mobility, say, in their hip to get movement, and instead they're hinging through their back, and that's where the hinge comes from. So that is the most common thing I see, and it's pretty easily treatable when you, when it is the, when you can find it and find the hinge point and find their, their limitation. And that's where the, the quote-unquote movement fix idea comes in, is that, hey, the, the problem is how you're moving. The problem isn't that your bone is out of place or that, you know, something like that, and it needs to be popped back into place. Like the most, uh, 
I commonly just see these problems that are related to how people are moving, how they're using their body, and uh, how we can fix their movement is really gave birth to what I'm doing. Now, the movement fix itself came out of me launching my clinic, and then I would go around to CrossFit gyms and do these talks. And uh, so I'd do these little two, three-hour workshops at local CrossFit gyms. So I just emailed and called all the CrossFit gyms around me and made a little schedule. And uh, after the first couple, people were like, hey, you should make, you should make this into something. Because I was just doing it under, or having it fly into the flag of my clinic. And some people said, you should really consider making this like a thing, <laughs> not just a marketing for your clinic. And I was open to it, and I uh, started putting it out there, and I decided that at, at some point, people weren't going to want to follow my uh, local clinic Facebook page or blog. I'm like, well, i gotta make it. I got to make a new name for it, you know? And I was just talking to uh, the guy who was my attending physician in school and kind of bouncing some ideas around. And we came up with the idea of the movement fix. And so I just made the page and started posting on it and kind of rebranded the stuff that I do under that and wrote a few articles. The HIP article was a huge, hugely popular article spread everywhere. And, uh, yeah, it's just continuing to grow. And there's been opportunities presenting themselves I never thought would be possible this soon out of, out of school. So it's pretty, pretty fun. That's amazing. Yeah. One of your four principles of the movement fix is about how when we were infants and toddlers, we moved much better than we do as adults. Why, mm -hmm. why is that? What happens? Yes. Uh, so this is a pretty popular thing in the, the uh, rehab world as of now is looking at how infants move and, and what are their patterns of movement and how do you kind of emulate that. Now, I think that the reason we lose it is because, like, for example, I saw a picture of myself when I was, like, two years old in this perfect little baby squat. Now, I can't remember in my life before I started doing CrossFit when I ever went into a full squat. And, like, I mean, you don't ever use that range of motion, it's going to go away. So I went however many years, maybe 15 years without ever going into the full squat. So that's, I mean, and at, during that time you're growing, right? Your skeleton's developing, your tendons change, your muscles have to grow to accommodate the length and stuff. And use it or lose it. Now, my wife has a perfect squat, the best squat I've ever seen, but she squatted every day of her life growing up. Like, it's just what she did. Like, the first time I met her, she was, like, squatting on this little chair, I'm like, what are you doing? That's really weird. That's before I started getting crosses. I'm like, that's weird. I don't know how you're doing that. Um, but, yeah, she squatted her whole life, and she still can do it easily. And that's what, you know, kind of our goal is, is to move, like, have the mobility of a young kid. And, uh, yeah, we just, the, we sit in these desks all day in school for however many hours a day and then we go out and play recess for like or play recess for like 15 minutes and then go back and sit in these chairs and it just ruins us well I, th I think that's where that's where it comes from because if you look around the world right you can you can find countries where it's part culturally acceptable to just squat everywhere 
And guess what? Everybody can squat perfectly, but they've done it every day of their life. So, yeah. Very interesting. In your own body, you talked about tendonitis in your knees. Yeah. How has your own knowledge now of body, body movement changed your knees? Well, my knees just got better on their own. Like when I, I had, I had problems from when I was like 12 to 17, just went away. So I don't know, just outgrew it or, or, you know, it's pretty common in the grown male um, especially in jumping sports like track and basketball. So it could have just been that, you know, I just let it burn out, so to speak. It's really changed how I do CrossFit, though. Really changed how I do CrossFit. There's a, there's a lot of things in CrossFit I won't do now. Um, just, hey, I'm not going to go to the – I'm, I'm realistic. I'm not going to go to the CrossFit Games and win the CrossFit Games. So – I'm going to cut things out that I feel like have a higher risk of injury for me. And uh, I've really, really changed how I approach workouts and where I will rest and how far I'll push myself. Because there are just certain things that I'm like, hey, you know what? I, if I was going to win a bunch of money, maybe I would do this, but I'm not. So I would say that it's changed more of that. Your mental space. In your mental yeah, approach. how yeah exactly how I think about CrossFit how I how I do it how I train uh, it used to be hey whatever whatever's posted on the site I'll just do it as hard as I can I'm not even gonna think about it now I look at things I'm like well maybe I'll change this because I think that you know X Y Z or um, maybe I won't do this kettlebell swing all the way overhead maybe instead I'll do it as a hard style swing for example just because of you know maybe some mechanical things that aren't as good and like one of the things I talk about a lot with coaches at my at the coaches workshop that I do is identifying what are your athletes' goals. Are their goals to win the CrossFit Games? Are their goals to go to regionals and compete? Are their goals to or is their goal to uh, be healthier, lose weight, feel better, etc.? Because what you do for those people is going to be is going to be somewhat different. Because you're going to have someone who's going to the regional, someone who's going to the CrossFit Games is going to have to do things that you're, the person who wants to be healthy and not get injured, like they're going to be different. And so I really encourage coaches all the time to ask their athletes on intake when they first come to the gym, what are your goals? Because I'm not going to have one person who's trying to be healthy and lose weight do the same thing and push themselves or do certain movements like I would for someone who wants to go to the regionals, who wants to go to the CrossFit Games. Because there's a big distinction there. And, you know, it used to be that back in, back in the early days of CrossFit, the average CrossFitter was someone really seeking the crazy workout. You know, seeking the most intense possible thing because they got bored with whatever they're currently doing. And as it's gotten more and more popular, we're getting people that, Hey, maybe they've never worked out in their life, and CrossFit's the first athletic thing they're doing. And you know, they they come in, and people want they want to do everything as RX or prescribed, as they would say in CrossFit. Like within a month of starting, the first athletic thing they've ever done in their life, and it's going to take time for that person. And and so modifying things for them is really important. Knowing what their goals are is really important. And, uh, I mean, that's the person we really don't want to get injured 
because they may, you know, they may not know how to handle an injury if it's the first time. Like we'll see a lot of people they get sore and they they, they consider it as an injury, right? Because they've never been sore like that before. And so educating people on on that kind of thing and and what people's goals are and and you know all that stuff's really important. But kind of to come back to the point. That is what my eyes have been more so open to as I've gone through well, chiropractic school, uh, my master's degree program, and then the movement fix is a CrossFit not just about competing at the CrossFit Games anymore. For the vast majority of people, it's camaraderie. It's like their friend, their social group. It's their, their workout, their fitness program, their, their way to stay healthy. And so there's just going to be different, different goals for different people, different things for different people. The diet nutrition lifestyle that's associated with CrossFit um, is the paleo diet. What is your relationship yes. with that? Well, originally the CrossFit, uh, <clears throat> the zone diet was really popular in CrossFit. The zone diet is all about macronutrients, so how many grams of protein do you eat with how many grams of carbs with how many grams of fat, and you just have like a certain amount depending on your body weight and activity level and lean body mass and stuff like that. I tried the zone diet, like weighed and measured everything that I ate, and it was awful <laughs> because it's just not for me to have to weigh and measure everything and eat it in perfect proportions. And so at that point, I decided to play more around with paleo. Now, it's my understanding that most top CrossFit athletes do not eat paleo because they just they can't get the amount of food they need, like the amount of um, calories they need. So there's a difference between eating for performance and eating for health. Just to interrupt you for one moment, could you explain yeah. to listeners what is a paleo diet for those who don't know? Yeah, so the paleo diet basically, and again, there might be some paleo people who say I'm, you know, blast, speaking blasphemy, but um, it's basically that you eat what you could find in nature. Well, from the Paleolithic era, so meat, vegetables, fruits, seeds, nuts, stuff like that. Um, no real grains or um, legumes, not a lot of, really not dairy. Some people argue that a little bit, but that's basically it. No, You'd have to be able to go outside like in, in a jungle or in a forest and kill it or pick it. That's the easiest way to describe paleo, I think. So that paleo is the paleo diet is what I more or less follow. Now granted, there's always ups and downs, right? <laughs> so <laughs> there'll be times when I'm straight more strict than other times, but that is what I would recommend. Uh, for the person who's seeking like health and wellness and that kind of thing. In, in terms of paleo's relationship with CrossFit, CrossFit's all about, I mean, the CrossFit mentality is what is the best out there for what we're trying to do? What's the best fitness thing? What's the best nutrition thing? What's the best health stuff? And, and I think that's why they more or less chose, quote unquote, chose paleo because it, people were getting the best results with it. And there's just, there's a lot of good research coming out about Hey, I mean, everyone thought saturated fat was really bad for you, and now there's all this research like, hey, actually, it probably might be good for you. And uh, and that's what the paleo people have been saying, like, hey, there's saturated fat in animals, and people have been e eating animals for a very long time. So how could it be bad? So that's my 
little nutshell of, of paleo. Now, my friend that I went to uh, school with actually runs a website called The Paleo Fix. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, so he was calling it, uh, he had a different name for it, and then we decided why not kind of kind of code name or co-brand them. So yeah, if you want paleo stuff, check out The Paleo Fix. He's, a, is, uh, he's a smart guy. How has oh, eating paleo changed your life? Man, when I when my energy when I feel like tired or you just don't feel energetic or well, it's like you just you just eat paleo, like quote unquote eat paleo, which just means follow the concepts in your diet. And you just feel you feel the difference. Like you just feel more energetic. You don't feel foggy in the morning. You can think more clearly. Uh, I wouldn't say paleo has changed my life. I would say it just adds to it. It makes it, it makes it more enjoyable because I feel energetic and I feel like I have, like I want to go do things. I can think more clearly. Like I said, I don't feel like crap all the time. You've said that uh, doors have been open for you through the movement fix that you weren't expecting. What are you looking forward to in 2014, whether it's something regarding the movement fix, your own athletic pursuits, your business, what's ahead for you? Well, the doors have been open. I never would have, I never would have dreamed that when I, you know, when I graduated school, because I, I graduated at the end of 2012. I never thought I would fly across the country to go teach a class like within a year of graduating. Um, so that's what I mean. Like doors have been open. I never thought like I get emails from people wanting the movement fix to come to their gym. And I'm like, this is amazing. I never expected that I would be doing this for 2014. I'm, I'm just excited. That, like May, May 4th of this year will be my one year uh, anniversary of doing workshops at, at gyms. So I'm, I'm really excited for that because that's that's pretty cool to see how much it's grown in just one year. Um, we're coming out with a lot more a lot more videos and, and and good articles on the site. One of the projects that we did on the on the movement fix during January was the uh, what we called like the 30 day movement challenge. So we yeah, made a video awesome. every day for January, sort of as a as a template for gyms because one of the things that I saw at gyms was that. The warm-ups, I felt like could be used more efficiently or more effectively for what the what usually came up in the in the workouts at CrossFit gyms. So we said, why not why don't we make a template, a thirty day template that gyms can use to like, hey, let's just plug and play. We're doing we're doing deadlifts in our workout. There's a thirty for thirty that focuses on deadlift movement, deadlift prep, and uh, use that as we said thirty minutes, but and it still works if you do it for 10. It still works if you do it for 15. And uh, so, so we made those 30 videos. And then what I'm coming out with soon is a, uh, a coach's guide on how to use the 30 for 30. How can you use the videos at your gym? How can you kind of understand the movements and why we chose certain things so that it just makes it easier for gyms to program this stuff. And we're not going to charge anything for that. It's just part of what we do. So... I'm in, the, I'm in the process of making that now, but I'm really excited about that because I think that it's really going to change how people think about it. It used to be like, hey, you have a deadlifts and handstand push-ups in your workout. Let's go run 400 meters, do you know a couple 
air squats and push-ups and let's go hit the workout. And then, and then you're done and then you go home. And I think that in an hour-long class, there's, just, there's so much more we could do. And it has been moving in that direction, but I think in terms of as a class at a CrossFit gym, incorporating movement preparation stuff, mobility drills, stability drills, all that kind of stuff, I think that that's an area where we could uh, grow and make it even better for gyms. So that that's a uh, I'm excited to see where the 30 for 30 like how it progresses, how it grows, and how gyms use it. Yeah. So it took you two years before you walked into actual CrossFit gym. What would be your advice for people who are interested in getting involved in CrossFit or a little bit intimidated by it in the present day? everybody's intimidated there, there for a while. So you just got to, if, if it's something you want to do, you just got to go for it. Now there are, gosh, I feel CrossFit I think has doubled in the amount of affiliates just this year. So it took, you know, however many years, a decade plus to get to where it was at the beginning of uh, 2013. And then in 2013, I believe it doubled in size of gyms that exist. Um, so there's going to be, there's going to be good ones. There's going to be bad ones. It just comes with, comes with growth and, uh, there will be better. There will be gyms that are better for certain people and gyms that are worse for certain people because every gym has its own personality. For example, you go to a 24 hour fitness, they're all basically the same. Yeah. I mean, maybe some, maybe one's a pro sport, one's a executive, whatever. But if you go to a, Across a gym, they're all very unique. And they come in all shapes and sizes. They come with different, like certain gyms will focus on, maybe that maybe their population is more the people who are trying to lose weight. Other Another gym might be more people who are trying to compete. Uh, so so it, they come along a spectrum. And... There's different personalities at different gyms. There's different vibes at different gyms. And so if someone was trying to get into it or wanted to uh, test it out, and I, would, I would say definitely go and check out multiple gyms. It's kind of like dating. <laughs> you got you to gotta try it. You have to figure out what's right for you. Especially if you, if you have no exposure to it, it's really important that you uh, find the right fit and find one that has a good what's called on-ramp program. So for new members, gyms will uh, most gyms will have a maybe a one month or a two week, maybe even a two or three month what they call on ramp program. Meaning you join, you're new, you got to go through this one month or whatever program to get you up to speed, so we can then introduce you into the class. If a gym doesn't have one of those, I'd be a little bit more hesitant to recommend somebody go there because I think that. If, you, if someone's never done it, they really need some extra time learning how to do things safely and, and doing things well. So I would recommend finding one that has a, a month on ramp program or longer. Great advice. Yeah. yeah. To close up our interview, <laughs> I have a few either or questions. Uh, okay. <laughs> this will be fun. Apples or oranges? Apples. Early bird or night owl? Oh, night owl. <laughs> night owl to the extreme. Smoothies or juices? Oh, my gosh. Smoothies with juice in it. 
Nice. Can I say that? Can I say that? Yes. <laughs> Mountains or oceans? Ocean. Definitely ocean. Great. Thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing all your wisdom on the movement fix and CrossFit. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Cool. So, um, thanks for listening to episode 22 of the Running on Ohm podcast with Ryan DeBell, CrossFit athlete, chiropractic doctor, director of Pacific Sports and Spine, and founder of The Movement Fix. Check out runningonohm.com for links to Ryan's sites. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.